It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kay Winnigal and today I'm joined by my co-host Michael Steindor. Hey Kay, how are you? I'm good, thanks, and good to be back. This summer, Australia has been experiencing unprecedented weather events, ranging from record-breaking amounts of water deluging Queensland to raging fires throughout Victoria and Tasmania and record high temperatures throughout the land. We've become used to breaking weather records every year, but now the increase in record levels, be they increased flood levels, increased overnight temperature levels, increased monsoonal activity, increased droughts, increased human displacement increased crop losses, increased species extinction, all those things and many more, is becoming quite frightening. Today, we've got experts to tell us how to manage our safe places, our houses, in the face of these extreme events that are only going to get worse. Our listeners will know Tim Forsey from My Efficient Electric Home, and we're joined with Jenny Edwards, who's just joined the Efficient Electric Home team, but she's not quite here yet. She's still Mm. battling traffic. So to start us off, we're going to be talking to Tim. Hi, Tim. How are you? G'day, Kay. G'day, Michael. G'day. Welcome back, Tim. Thanks a lot. First of all, Tim, in light of all these unprecedented weather events, can you remind our listeners about my Efficient Electric Home and why is it important to become all-electric? Sure. I mean, a lot of folks are aware of, uh, you know, the climate uh, breakdown that's going on all around us. And it can be quite disheartening as to, uh, you know, what can people do? Well, one thing you can do is to take action in your own home. And so a few years ago, well, about four and a half years ago, I was thinking about how do we get the word out to people as to things that they can do in their own home. And uh, I didn't know much about Facebook at the time, but I think it was probably one of my kids suggested, hey, Dad, why don't you start a Facebook group? So four and a half years ago, we started the Facebook group, My Efficient Electric Home. And for the first year, we only had about 100 members, but now we get 100 every week. We're up wow. to about uh, 5,400 members at My Efficient Electric Home. Wow, it's grown quick. Yeah, it grows. And, um, and what, what do we do there? Well, we've got, you know, we've got a lot of experts, but we've got a lot of uh, other, other ordinary people that have an issue in their home or an opportunity, something they want to look at. And so they'll get onto the Facebook group and they'll say, what should I do about my air conditioning? Or the place is you know, bloody hot during this last heat wave. Or you know, are we going to have a power failure? What, what do I do in my home? And so we've got the people there, whether it's the experts or others who've just done things in their home, they can advise people as to what you do about insulation or you do things about, um, you know, are you getting too much sun coming through the windows of your house? And, uh, and those are all building envelope things that Jenny Edwards will, will talk about as soon as the, uh, the Melbourne traffic lets her loose. But the other thing we talk about at My Efficient Electric Home is how to set up your home without using any fossil fuels, uh, without using any gas. And the happy, the happy news that we researched at Melbourne University a few years ago 
we found that the cheapest way for people to be setting up their homes these days is not to be using any gas at all. So for how do you heat your home in the winter? Well, that's uh, the reverse cycle air conditioner. So a lot of people have probably purchased these uh, air conditioners to get them through these, these heat waves and these summer periods. So one of the key messages we have on the Facebook group is that if you've uh, gone and uh, got hold of a uh, refrigerative air conditioner, reverse cycle, sure, uh, use it in the summer to survive the heat waves. But next winter, particularly in climates like uh, you know the Victoria climate, uh, Canberra, uh, Tasmania, well, certainly any of those places, and right around Australia, you'll find the reverse cycle air conditioner can be the cheapest way to to heat your home in the winter time. And the reason for that is because it's a heat pump which captures free renewable heat uh, from the air outside your house. So it's quite uh, low cost in that way, green, efficient, and you can go on and use the same sort of technology to heat your water. You can uh, cook with an induction cooktop, and there you don't have to be connected with your home to the gas grid anymore. So these are all the sorts of things we talk about in My Efficient Electric Home. Um, I'm an administrator there at the group. We also have Richard Keach as an administrator, and, and he's out in uh, Mildura today actually looking at homes and helping people out there. And then more recently, we decided that uh, we could use another admin. It'd be good if, uh, if she were female. And uh, since Richard and I were both engineers, how about we get um, someone who might have some other expertise, perhaps coming from the building science and architecture space. So uh, we see that now the Melbourne traffic has <laughs> has uh, given up on uh, wow. like took Jenny, Jenny Edwards. Uh, and Jenny uh, twice as long to get from Caulfield to Collingwood as from Canberra oh, to Melbourne. Yeah, just um, about. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you uh, very thank much. You. Great to be yeah. here. Now you yeah. know the difference between Melbourne and Canberra. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a, a very great example. So, Jenny, you have a master's <laughs> degree in science and, and are an ACT licensed building efficient, energy efficiency assessor based in Canberra. Can you tell us how you came to join Tim's team? He's just covered it briefly. But yeah, um, I was having to think back hard how it actually came about, but I think it was uh, an active member of um, uh, the group. The Facebook group? Ta- yeah, the yeah. Facebook group tagged my business or put a post up saying, have people in Canberra heard about this business? And I thought, oh, what's what's going on? So I started having a look around and thought, this is fantastic. I want to be part of this. So I'm very passionate about science communication. My master's was actually in uh, communication of science. So I thought, right, I'd love to get involved with this. And um, yeah, and then once I started, I couldn't stop. (laughs) So you actually worked for CSIRO for quite a while and then left and started energy imaging, is that right? That's right. I was, um, I'd actually, I'd left CSIRO and I had moved um, to work for the Federal Innovation Policy. And it was while I was working there, um, I thought, if you're going to be innovative, you've got to get out and do it yourself. And I was living in an appalling Canberra home and saw a show called Carbon Cops that you guys might be familiar with. Um, one of the presenters of that show was a good friend of mine. Saw the use of a blower door, thought, oh, that's what I need in my appalling Canberra house. I'll organise a test tomorrow. And then found out that no one was doing it apart from the one group in Victoria. Then I got onto thermal imaging and thought, why is nobody doing this? So yeah, decided to go and train and use the gear and start doing it myself. So that was 10, 10 years ago I formed Energy Imaging, which was yeah, all about thermal imaging, air leakage testing and, and modelling of the building performance you know, at the design stage. So that's software modelling? Yeah, so Natter software. So the software that's been around in Australia for a long time, uh, very underutilised and it's a really powerful tool if used properly. So we, we do a lot of modelling. So why is it underutilised? I think people aren't aware that it's a really clever building physics tool, you know, developed and maintained by CSIRO for a long time now. 
They and do it for commercial buildings, though, don't they? Yeah, it's a different system, though. There, yeah. I mean, that's where there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. There's Neighbours and there's Nathers yeah. and there's Green Star and, and things. But the Nathers software that I use is the residential tool. Yeah. But, yeah, it is a really clever piece of building physics that really should be used as a design tool. Unfortunately, it gets used as an approvals tool generally. So in yeah. terms of a design tool, what does it cover? Does it cover orientation of Absolutely. Building? You have to model the house up very accurately. So exact construction, uh, window performance, insulation levels, eave offset and projections. So you, it gives you predicted heating and cooling loads for the overall house, but also zone by zone. So it's, it's a great tool for manipulating insulation levels or playing with different types of glazing performance. I often play around with clients who want to try different things. But you can you can show clients then the well not only the, the running cost impact but also the the upfront cost of a lot of these different techniques and methods. So So I've I did a bit of that in my time as a commercial building ah, yep. controls engineer. But the the thing is that it's really good to do the modelling but it's their actual proof of Yes. The savings? Well, um, How do you do that? Well, that's right. And that's where the physical performance testing comes in. So not only do we do the, the theoretical modelling, but then the, the air leakage testing and the thermal imaging is part of every project we're involved in. And we also collect a lot of data on the performance of our homes. But yes, the, now this offer is it's theoretical. You know, It has to make assumptions about how the house will be used and things. But it is a great tool for comparing you know, one design with, with another. But that's one of the big issues in Australia now is what gets ticked off as six stars and then what actually gets built can be quite different. Uh, I was at an... Oh, sorry. And and the third factor always for me there is how it actually gets used. Yes, absolutely. And people leave all the windows and doors open or don't don't use thermal cycling and so Absolutely. So that's another thing we do in my business is we have a user's manual for every client. So we talk, oh, we walk wow. them through that and we explain how you, you know, solar passive is a misnomer. You, you have to actually be very solar active to operate a house Good effectively. And, and your business is called Lighthouse as in two separate words. Yes, well <laughs> done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all about being light-footed and light-filled. So our houses um, tend to be much smaller than your typical new home. So I, I always stress if you're serious about sustainability, the first step is to have a smaller footprint. And with good design, a, a small house can feel and function like a much bigger home. Which is what you've actually done with your own home. Yes, yeah. So my, my house is a four-bedroom, two-bathroom family home filled with teenage boys and a dog and a partner, and it's 150 square metres, which by Canberra standards for a new home is, is very small. You know, everyone mm. thinks a proper family home has to between, be between 200 and 250 square metres these days, which mm. is um, crazy, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, here in Melbourne, we tend to fill our blocks with houses. We yes, do. So the, the, the size of the house depends on the size of the block. Yeah, and, and that's very evident around me. I'm in a new development. My block is only 405 square metres. But, the, yeah, the neighbouring houses have taken up all of that block. And as a result, of course, they don't have gardens and we don't have lots of lovely trees. And in these heat waves, it, they, well, we've all been suffering. I've got a lot of garden around my house. But the, the retained heat during that extended heat wave was just horrible. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, Melbourne has is a, a real thermal island. It's, yes, it, it's, it's a shock. You I'm, can see the weather going around it mm. because it, it's so hot there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I felt that yesterday as I was walking through the city, dragging my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs>
So I understand recently um, COEG has approved a new trajectory for low-energy buildings. Yes. Um, you must be excited about that. Yeah, excited. Um, about time. They announced on the 1st of Feb, after deferring their decision from December, that they would finally lift the energy efficiency standards. So Melbourne and, and Canberra will be um, lifting to seven stars, not until 2022 because oh. the National Construction Code goes in a three-year cycle and we've missed this cycle. But yeah, that is, so it's coming. And the other great thing in the National Construction Code this time is in the residential code, for the first time it mentions air leakage testing, so, which is sort of, I think, a bit of a heads up that it's, it's coming. So there'll probably be an air leakage standard in the residential sector in 2022. They are introducing some for the commercial space um, this time around, which is good. They said between 6.5 and 7 stars. Yeah. Does that mean some regions only have to go to 6.5? Yeah, the warmer regions, they're only oh. taking to 6.5, which... You know, like a missed opportunity, I think. Why mm. can't we all lift the bar? It's actually... Because it's not lifting it very much, really. No, not at all. And I you know, still firmly believe that eight stars is the sweet spot and it really is quite achievable. Mm. Um, you know, seven stars is, is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When you measure... Uh, when you talk about airflow, there's... Uh, I, I saw this house, passive house design. Yes. That works on the same sort of principles, doesn't it? Yeah, or the passive house, the, it's the German passive house standard, takes that to the extreme. So mm. they're talking about levels of air tightness of 0.6 um, air changes per hour at a test pressure of 50 pascals. And to put that into perspective, most houses are between 15 and 25 air changes at that test pressure. Mm. The houses we um, design and build in Canberra, we get to between three and six air changes per hour. And that's just with standard construction. So oh, it's quite good. possible without internal air barriers and other things to really um, reduce the air leakage in a house, which has almost, almost a linear relationship um, to your energy consumption over winter, or particularly in Canberra houses with gas um, heating. I've been able to demonstrate almost a linear relationship. So I'm really interested in air tightness, but again, at a, at an aff- a very affordable, more, more affordable point. Yeah. Yeah, because um, these houses have huge walls and thickness and the materials that they use yeah, and, and they have forced air pumping through the house yes, the whole time. Yes, that's the thing. Once you get the building um, very tight or sort of below that three air changes per hour, you really need to have mechanical ventilation, otherwise the indoor air quality really mm. suffers. Um, but it, it's, you but know, they perform extremely well. They do, but... I would challenge that we're building houses that perform as well um, with standard construction. So uh, I I don't – I think the passive house approach is great. I came back from um, New Zealand and the US 10 years ago all excited about passive house. But I think it is much more expensive um, than people realise at this point. But I don't want to discourage people from that approach. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, one thing – and my accent comes from uh, North America. So one thing I've realised when I moved to Australia is that the climate is different here. You know, we don't have snow blowing through the windows or underneath the cracks of the doors, uh, which is which is actually a bad thing because if we did, we'd probably fix it. Yeah. But um, I do have a bit of a concern of stuff that comes from the northern hemisphere where maybe the climate, uh, climate uh, zones are a bit more extreme than what we see here in Australia. And so I'm not surprised to hear yeah. Jenny say that uh, a different standard may apply. And the other thing is – and I, I come back – now, Jenny's talked a lot about the, the building envelope, which, which is great because that's an important and it's a long battle that people you know, have been fighting for years and need to continue to fight insulation, shading, window treatments, all those things. But I'm also interested in, in sort of looking under the hood of a, of a home. Um, you know, you could talk about a car, but often people will talk about what, what drives the car. Um, and in a home, what, what's under the hood in terms of your heating and cooling systems? 
And what we've found is that the, the air source uh, heat pump, which is your reverse cycle air conditioner, is just so effective in Australian climates because how cold does it really get? It doesn't get to 20 below. We don't have a polar vortex or anything. Mm. So in Germany, they may be shooting for standards that are higher because they're wanting to reduce their gas costs or, the, or they have challenges using air source heat pumps to heat their homes in the wintertime. Whereas here, the, the air source heat pump can be such a relatively cheap way to heat your house that I'm not surprised that, um, you know, perhaps eight stars, you say, could be the sweet spot. Yeah, and I absolutely agree about the heat pumps. You know, that's in all of our projects in Canberra, we, we go all electric and we are using heat pumps for hot water. Um, and increasingly, we we weren't having active um, any active cooling, but now we're looking at that. Um, and for our heating, we, we don't need much heating at all. But anyway, reverse cycle, heat pumps are going to be our, our absolute standard from now on. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of concern in Canberra about, oh, surely a heat pump can't work for hot water in our climate. Mm. But, you know, we get down regular minus eights and it, it works a treat, my heat pump. Um, yeah. If you've just joined us, we're talking to Jenny Edwards and Tim Fossey from My Efficient Electric Home. So, Jenny, you're also an energy efficiency assessor. Yes, so I, as well as yeah, so that's using the the Nathus software. So doing that's as part of that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So yeah, um, we've had the compulsory energy rating in the ACT um, for houses when they were sold for, gosh. Um, well over a decade now, maybe closer to two decades. But anyway, there's a much higher awareness of um, the energy efficiency rating in Canberra. So people know they need to get it done. Um, and so I help not only not only do I work on our houses, but um, I work with other architects and other private clients to help them with with a new build, but also to retrofit existing houses. So we'll, we'll model up, you know, what, what's appropriate for one house or what's you know, most cost effective for one house won't necessarily apply to another um, so it's always fascinating to look at each house. Mm. Yeah, Tim, we were just talking before the show about um, developing a lobby group for this area. Well, um, yes, uh, I was thinking about this, and there there are barriers to people enjoying the benefits of the all electric home. Uh, barriers that are there because you know gas used to be cheap, or the gas industry was and is powerful, or people that uh, manufacture gas uh, gas appliances in Australia have some political clout. And, and things are just new. People don't realize that turning on your reverse cycle air conditioner in winter can be the cheapest way to heat your home. So there's any number of barri- barriers to people enjoying the benefits of the all-electric home, whether it's uh, regulations that are out of date or information on government websites that's out of date or misleading information put out there by the gas industry. So starting My Efficient Electric Home was one way to try to get the better information out there. But what I've heard is from folks that sell heat pumps or design homes or whatever, they run into these barriers. Maybe they talk to their politician. Maybe they try to talk to the energy minister, but the barriers remain. So I'm thinking, well, what do they need? They must need a lobby group. Why don't they all work together? And uh, recently in Australia, we now have an electric vehicle council. So I'm proposing that we should have an uh, electric home council so that we can knock down the, these barriers, which are, which are you know, things that have probably developed over the last 10 years since reverse cycle air conditioners have become more available and more efficient and effective and the price of gas has gone through the roof. Um, there's some new problems here that need to be fought and maybe an electric home council could help fight those. But then again, we still have all the issues that have been going on for a long time about people not insulating their homes, etc. Um, and so that, that's another long-running battle that needs to be won. Um, Jenny, we've talked uh, about heat pumps a fair bit. Yes. Uh, obviously a big factor in, in making the modern home energy efficient. 
What other things? What are, uh, briefly, what's the sort of rundown of of efficiency aids and the, what, techniques? What we what, well, our approach is the smaller footprint for starters, number one, and yep. then is it really is the basics of a, a quality building envelope. So good level. We don't do extreme levels of insulation. R two point five in the walls, R five in the ceiling, but we make sure it's done well. So we minimise penetrations through that internal gyprock lining. So there aren't lots of holes in the ceiling. There aren't lots of down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big effect. Um, so, if we do have any downlights, they're the lovely airtight LED downlights that can be insulated over. They do exist. A lot of builders and Sparky still don't think they do, but you can insulate over some of the LEDs. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, you know, ducts in the ceiling for heating and cooling. So the ceiling is is very much intact, and that insulation level is in, um, is nice and um, thorough. And and then it's the, just on then. It's, yeah. Would I be correct in remembering that you said something like five percent of insulation gap leads to fifty percent? Yeah, if you've got five percent gaps in your R five insulation, it's only effectively working like R two point five insulation. So it makes a massive difference. And if mm-hmm. you've got any downlights or any other ducting in your ceiling, you'll have well over five percent gaps. So or in, if you have them poorly installed and they push the insulation aside Absolutely. to install whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, so insulation installs often get a bad rap, but th- I think they are getting better. It's the electricians and other trades that come in <laughs> afterwards. Like I sprung some just the other day, you know, on one of our projects. It's not as if they don't know I'm coming. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Get back up there. <laughs> so insulation, we all know that that's really important. Um, windows, we all know that there are higher performance windows available now, but my latest bugbear is that people have... The windows are way too big. People think they can high performance glass. They can make the entire, you know, the entire northern wall can be glass and and um, west and west and, and east. Yeah, you know, yeah. north is good, I guess. <laughs> but you know, even on the north, you know, they go too far. So I'm really big on um, getting that glazing to floor area. Uh, ratio right and then people get some concern think oh, i'll li- be living in a dark you know box but again with good design put the windows facing the right way and in the right location you can still have an incredibly light filled home um, with less glass so you talked about high performance windows how, how do you know whether they're high performance uh, buy them from a good supplier um you know how there do you are, know what a good supplier is yeah um Email me. No, no. Talk to people who've had some experience because there are a lot of different suppliers out there. Um, and the, look, the standard of windows, I think, has lifted considerably in the last um, five years in particular. There are now, there's a lot more competition in the space. But um, yeah, the quality of the product, um, if they're registered with, um, you know, WERS, the window energy rating system, Check them out. There's a lot of information there. You know, ring them up, ask them questions, educate yourself about windows before you buy windows. Understand what a U value is and a solar heat gain coefficient. And yeah, there is a lot to windows. Get get on my efficient electric home <laughs> yes, and see what people right. are saying about windows. Exactly. <laughs> we certainly have talked about windows. We do a lot. I'll talk about and, windows. And that um, Facebook group is great because it's it's so much users feeding back, and mm. you, there's no dumb questions on it. Well, that's yeah. right. I know that not everybody's no too dumb. not no. everybody's on Facebook, but um, you know, it's it's a technology that's there, and the way that you can post photos and the comments get rolled up, and you know, if something's not of interest, it kind of disappears very quickly. But if something, you know, from three years ago, because it's winter again, and, yeah. and so someone digs up a post from three years ago, it's quite relevant. And actually, it's a database of information mm. because the search function is excellent. You yeah. know, it's almost like Google. Yeah. So you get on there. There's a little spot where you can type in whatever you want to. search. 
search previous posts. And so really, I would call it Australia's best database on this sort of Absolutely. home information. Oh, I would too, you know, and um, been working in the space for a long while. And I, I, yeah, it's a really exciting um, and a great resource. Of course, there's some stuff on there that uh, doesn't make any sense, but that's yeah. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that happens occasionally. <laughs> but it's really important because even... I, and I've got you know a number of people like you to talk to, and I know about this. I struggle with a whole lot of products out there yeah. and trying to work out what's good and what isn't. Oh, absolutely, it can be really bamboozling. There's a lot of conflicting information, and you know the Windows example is a good one. I recently was on one supplier site, and they were saying some stuff that was just completely incorrect. You know, they were basically suggesting that aluminium frames were better than PVC or timber frames. And anyway, um, so you you do have to be careful there is you know sadly a lot of greenwashing going on um, but there are a lot of suppliers who are genuinely you know have the same sort of motivations as us they're really in it for the right reasons so finding them is the key but yeah ask ask on my efficient electric home okay so I was always looking at European windows because I thought that they were much better performance. Well, most of the um, – we routinely use PVC tilt-and-turn windows. So the mechanisms are all German-designed, um, not necessarily uh, – but they're all manufactured. All the windows are assembled here in Australia that we use now. Um, and there are, yeah, increasingly um, – more and more people doing them and doing them well. There were, you know, ten when I first moved into this space ten years ago, there were plenty of examples of a sort of dodgy batches coming in that weren't compliant with Australian standards that didn't have the the PVC has to have um, six to eight percent titanium dioxide to, in it oh. to cope with the UV in our climate. If it doesn't, it yellows and warps. Um, so I did see some examples of that, um, but I haven't seen anything or heard anything like that for Recently. years. Yeah. Mm. So, Jenny, um, wrapping up, is there any take-home message that you can give our listeners with regard to housing design? Um, Ask a building scientist. Yeah, or oh, well, yeah, look, architects. There are some really great architects in, um, in in Australia working in the sustainability space. Don't be afraid to invest in some good design. You know, up front, don't don't fall for a floor plan and then, um, you know, think that you can't change things so yeah do get some advice educate yourself via the facebook page and other resources out there i really encourage people to go smaller you know to think about how much space do they actually need and to think about the size of the windows my latest (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much jenny thank you very much Tim. tim and jenny pleasure we've been speaking to jenny edwards and tim forsey from my efficient electric home The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, go to the BZE website and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can donate to help cover airtime costs and keep us on the air, please go to the website and BZE and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.